the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you. And uh, wow, so much uh, to cover on such a long weekend. I hope people had a great weekend and are getting ready for an incredible Christmas week. Um, hey, I want to point you to something. If you, um, if you, I've been talking for a few weeks and uh, welcome to the Pro-America Report. Go over to ProAmericaReport.com and, uh, and make sure you're signed up for the daily email. But uh, each evening, I'm going to take about a half an hour uh, for the next week or two. And I'm going to just try to lay out as specifically as I can what I'm seeing happening on the election fraud questions. Because what I have picked up from people is that they don't know where to go to find out what the election fraud is. So I have spent, uh, oh, not, not a lot of the weekend, but a couple hours each day reviewing what's happening uh, in the election uh, outcome. And I've told you, I mean, the election uh, challenges, I've told you that um there are uh, there are a couple of um, of really good resources. One is the epictimes.com, the epictimes.com. And right above the uh, center of the page, when you go on the website, right kind of midway through, you can click on a button. It'll give you a list. It turns out when you print that document out, it's it's a set of pages of almost almost 27 pages of documents. And you can look specifically at what has gone on in different states. I would point you to that as a way to get even more more familiar. But first, I want to point you to this um, report that Peter Navarro released last week. It was only a few days ago. It was on Friday, I think it was. Peter Navarro, he called it uh, the Immaculate Deception. Six Key Dimensions of Election Irregularities. He titled it the Navarro Report. Here's the interesting thing about this. Even though Peter Navarro works for the president, works in the White House, he is looking at specifically at the six battleground states and six dimensions of election fraud, election irregularities. That's a better way to say it. You know, some other people have been saying, oh, you can't say it was fraud. Well, you can say it's irregularities. So here are the matrices. Here are the um, here are the, the, the structure of it. The six states, of course, are Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, and Pennsylvania. Excuse me, and Wisconsin. That's the six. But the six dimensions, the six um, uh, uh, kind of, um, yeah, dimensions of election irregularities. And I want to be careful because I'd like to survive on uh, on when I put this show up as a podcast in other places. I want to survive the scrutiny because if you say it was a fraudulent election, they take you down. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm saying what are the evidence? What's the evidence of election irregularities? And here's the categories. Outright voter fraud. Well, okay, we'll talk about that. Ballot mishandling. Contestable process fouls. Equal protection clause violations. Voting machine irregularities. And significant statistical anomalies. Okay, so now what is that? All when you look at the six battleground states, okay, and you say, oh, okay, the six dimensions of regularities, they they have a unique mix of each of those, right? So far, we haven't seen outright voter fraud in Michigan, 
But we have, well, we've seen some voter, we've seen some pretty significant problems, but not that one, right? In Arizona, it doesn't look like there was ballot mishandling so far, but certainly in Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, there was. In, uh, in Pennsylvania, it hasn't been as clear the statistical anomalies that we saw in other places uh, about the election, right? So this, is, so this is the point here is that we're going through, and I'm going to try to find this on also on the internet. I'll post it on on uh, on social media so you can see it. But we're we're looking at the, these these categories and going through each state. You can get a sense of what exactly has gone on and what the questions are, right? This is the point of this report is what are the questions that people ought to be asking about this election? And here's the, um, here's the wrinkle on this. Now we know there are court cases that are challenging the different aspects of what's going on. Yeah, that's right. I'm checking one of the charts to make sure. And there's court cases. There's court cases out of Pennsylvania. There's court cases out of Michigan. There's court cases out of Wisconsin. There's court cases out of Arizona. There's plenty of Georgia. There's plenty of questions. And the question is whether the evidence and the patterns, as Navarro says, patterns of irregularities, that, whether that is sufficient to basically be evidence of fraud or irregularities, right? So if you can, you know, as I said before, especially one thing I like to say is if I, if I offer something as evidence of fraud and you don't refute it, if it's irrefutable, say it better that way. Well, if it's irrefutable, there's a point where you start to say that's more than just evidence, right? That's stronger than usual evidence. It's kind of, it's kind of closer to proof. It's kind of closer to proof when you can say, um, Hey, here's the irregularities. Here's the problems. And, um, and uh, and we can see it, and it's not refutable. That's one of the things I think about the Michigan uh, machines that were seized in one, that one county, uh, Antrim County, I think it's called. I get it wrong every time, but that county, and there's irregularities. And now there's some studies that show irregularities in uh, in a bunch of different places. And so you say, okay, what is the um, what is the reality? Here's another one. How about this? There's one table in the Navarro report that shows that at midnight on election night, President Trump was winning. Georgia by 356,000, Pennsylvania by 555,000, Michigan by 293,000, and and Wisconsin by 112,000. All four of those reversed within a week and a half, a little bit longer, four weeks. In Nevada and Arizona, pretty similar. Joe Biden was uh, was uh, was um, uh, leading a little bit in each state, but they they would president the Trump campaign polls said they closed the gap, but never happened. So the point here is, at what point does, and, and remember, there are three battles, three battle fronts, as I've told you, to this fight. One is the legal fight. Was there voter fraud? Was there irregularities? Can you prove it in a court of law? The second one is the propaganda PR fight. And my goodness, it's, it's almost impossible to break through the, uh, the, the, the fake news propaganda wall. I mean, it's really, really tough to get any coverage of the of the scope of these uh, tr- these allegations of irregularities. In fact, I would say this: you can. I'm willing to concede to someone who says, "Hey, hey, hey, that wasn't that wasn't voter fraud. It was just irregularities." As long as they'll concede it's irregularities, because the fraud would be the intentional part, uh, intentional action to commit something that goes against the rules or the laws, and I can't, we haven't proven that yet. So the fraud part may not be proven. The irregularity part is proven, right? So remember, the three battlefronts are one is the law. We're fighting to figure it out. In order to show fraud, you have to show that there was something that happened. It happened against the rules. You don't have to always show intent, but it usually helps. But the other one is the propaganda battle. And that's we're getting killed on that because the media won't cover anything. They just want everybody to move along. But the third one is the constitutional one. And the constitutional battle 
that front is by its very nature political. Now, people may not like that. They may say, well, wait, wait, the Constitution is supposed to be above politics. I, maybe I shouldn't say it's political. What I mean is it's it's governed by we, the people's representatives, not by the courts. The courts are not in charge of the Constitution. The courts may have something to say about what the what's done and say, is it constitutional? But they're not in charge of the Constitution. The founders said at the end of the day on the fight over the elections, the Constitution governs and that Constitution directs political actors to play a role. And the political actors are the U.S. Congress to look at the system and say, huh, we can't trust that system to have been done right. And if we can't trust it, it's our political duty and opportunity to act for the greater good. That's not, as Van Jones called it, a coup. He called it a legal coup. By definition, if it's a legal operation, it's not a coup. A coup is by definition illegal, but he said it was a legal coup to use the Constitution. He's wrong. He's wrong. The reality is when you see massive amounts of voter irregularities, and we'll go through it. If you want to come, go to Ed Martin Live on Facebook, Ed Martin Live on Facebook, and you can tune in. I go through it. 30 minutes. Just give me 30 minutes, and I will go through what I see. I'll probably do it every night. Every night. But we go through it and we'll figure it out. And, and, and if there's enough irregularities that rise to the level of something that's distorting, uh, uh, destroying, damaging our election and our system, then the political actors, the constitutional actors have to get into the game. And that's what we're seeing in the next two weeks. So that's why you got to arm yourself with the facts, arm yourself with the truth and proceed to influence what's happening. Okay? So I uh, go to Ed Martin Live on uh, Facebook. That's where I'm going to do this Facebook Live in the evening. And uh, also check back. I'll try to make, maybe I'll throw up Periscope at the same time. I'll see if I can figure how, out how to do that. I'll put up Periscope at the same time uh, and see if we can uh, do both. I don't know how to, you know, technology and I sometimes battle. So, all right, hang in there. We're going to go talk. We have some great guests today. I think Dr. Brett M. Decker's with us, John Schlafly. We'll talk about what's happening. And uh, later on, we'll tell you, I'll tell you what you need to do, the window. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro American Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. We have to talk with our old friend John Schlafly a little bit early this week. His his weekly Schlafly Report, written with his brother John, uh, excuse me, he's John, with his brother Andy, posts on Tuesday evenings on uh, over on townhall.com, our sister site. So you'll come wait for that. But I grabbed him earlier this week because we need to catch up on what's happening. I, a lot of people, John, are asking, well, what's the path? You know, you everybody sees election irregularities. What's the path forward? And John, I wanted to start with our old friend, and I mean that in this case, literally, our old friend Peter Navarro, who works in the White House in a senior capacity, has been a friend of the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles and speaking at our events for probably 25 years, maybe more, on issues dealing with China, dealing with trade, dealing with uh, the threats of China, and especially uh, Death by China was a book and then a movie that he, uh, a book he wrote and a movie he produced. So Peter Navarro has a report out, which I I've been plowing through, uh, John. Have you seen that report? Yes, I have, Ed. I read it over the weekend. It's an excellent report. I encourage your listeners to to go through it. And 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 he has done a good job to compile and and classify all of the many different types of irregularities and fraud that took place in the recent election. It's with footnotes 
to where you can get more information from the affidavits that have been submitted in these various lawsuits. Yeah, we're talking with John Schlafly and, and, and Peter Navarro, who I guess I shouldn't be surprised. He's a kind of professor type and all. It's a very good report. And, you know, the executive summary, which is often the, the most important thing because people don't get past it, he actually describes, I think, better than anyone. And, and I think the media made him out and said, oh, here comes Peter Navarro. He's kind of wild eyed. It's actually fairly uh, tame. He, he talks about the six battleground states and then he refers to six dimensions of election irregularities. He doesn't assert it's all fraud because he can't show that, but he can say, here's basic ba- uh, uh, election irregularities. One is, he says, outright voter fraud. Those are one, car- one, one category, I guess, where, where you'd put that. But then ballot mishandling, uh, contestable process uh, fouls, in other words, changing the rules in the middle of the game, equal protection clause violations, voting machine irregularities, and then significant statistical no- anomalies. So, John, I read this mostly today, and I know you read it over the weekend. I find it very persuasive. And yet, is anybody seeing it? I mean, I, 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 I can't. How can one be persuaded by something no one sees? Uh, well, um, you, know, you know, your listeners know about the, the blanket of the media, which is the constant drumbeat that the election is over. In fact, it's not over until Inauguration Day. Uh, there is still time to correct the election. And... and um, uh, there's so many different um, types of irregularities, though, that even though Peter Navarro did a good job to, you know, bringing them into six general categories, six is still a lot of, you know, people I think would react better if there was just one big thing. Uh, so it's not just one big thing, but it's a bunch of things. And yeah. uh, although one of the biggest things is the completely reckless and irresponsible way in which mail-in or absentee ballots were allowed to come in by the millions, indeed tens of millions, uh, many, many, many times more of those than ever before, and without the safeguards that are necessary to ensure that the mail that the mailed ballot was validly cast by a registered voter. And they're just in each of the key states, including Pennsylvania, Georgia, there are hundreds of thousands of those ballots which should have been rejected. And uh, there are still lawsuits unresolved which are demanding that they should be rejected. And if they are rejected, as they should be, then Trump won the election uh, because uh, the majority of those um, loosely verified mail-in ballots were uh, for Biden voters rather than Trump voters. And the elections were very close in those states. And, uh, you know, but the trouble is that the judges so far have been unwilling. You know, it's almost too big to fail. Somebody said the it's like a bank that's too big to fail. In other words, there were so many illegal ballots that a judge is afraid to really conclude that they those ballots were illegal because that means throwing out so many alleged votes, which shouldn't have been allowed. 
Well, I, I want to go back. I, I, well, I'll stay with that then, because but I want to come back. I'm, I'm making a note to myself. Come back one other time. We're talking with John Schlafly. Uh, the Schlafly Report comes out Tuesday evenings on Townhall.com, our sister site, weekly column uh, following in the tradition of his mother, the late Phyllis Schlafly. Um, too big to fail. Well, meaning John that um, if they atta- if they address this, they get lost in the size of it. Or I, you know, I heard someone use the phrase that the fraud looked packetized. In other words, they had packets here and packets there. So that if you went. And you said, well, it looks like there's 8,000 illegals registered or voted in Arizona. Oh, but it's not enough to change the election. Well, but it's that's one packet. Over here's another packet. Over here's another packet. And and yet, and, and so people, uh, you can't, you sort of have a built-in excuse to say, well, that's not enough. That's not serious enough. Uh, but John, I mean, as to the mail-in ballots, remember, we, ha- we talked about before the uh, uh, election day, in states like Oregon, where they've done mail-in ballots for years, they figured out the problems. They they found the challenges. They they realized the people who would commit irregularities or something, and they kind of worked it out. And, and, and that's like you heard the Oregon uh, governor and others say that. We know what we're doing. In Pennsylvania, they went from, you know, a, a, a whatever number, a few thousand uh, mail-in ballots to a few million. Maybe a little bit. I may be doing that a little too dramatically, but it's 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 by, by a factor of of a hundred. They suddenly went up. Nobody thinks they had quality control on this. And yet here we are stuck with the the uh, who do you get to take up this issue right now? The Supreme Court has another case in the last 48 hours on this question of the irregularities, right? Well, that's right. And the case of Pennsylvania, not only were the officials not trained and, and, you know, not prepared to deal with this avalanche of mail, but it's also completely prohibited by uh, uh, the state constitution. It's really, it's in the state constitution that, uh, you know, that uh, absentee ballots are extremely restricted to only good cause. And... um, and as you say, Ed, the packets, the small packets which are not enough may not have been enough to make it change the outcome, but the mail-in ballots certainly were enough to change the outcome, and yet it's kind of like a catch-22 where, you know, a court will say, well, if it's not enough ballots to make a difference, they won't hear the case, but if it's too many ballots, if you're talking about hundreds of thousands, well, then that's too many to make a difference. And so, right. and, and, and so these judges have said, no, we, we're simply not willing to, even though these mail-in ballots were clearly illegal right. and unconstitutional, we're not willing to throw out that many votes. So right, because, really yeah, because the United yeah, States yeah. Supreme Court, with all of its majesty and authority, to say, look, the Constitution has to control here for the uh, selection of the electors who will eventually determine our president. And we cannot let that slide. That's got to be, we've got to follow the rules. We're done with John Schlafly. Schlafly Report comes out every Tuesday night uh, in the evening, townhall.com. John, uh, you've been around longer than I have, so let me ask you, because just with the sort of eye test, or the smell test, um, in in the in the 1970s, when Nixon was toxic, he resigned, and then there was this sort of everybody lost in the Republican Party. I think. I mean, you tell me, you know. But when the top of the ticket tanks, 
and loses, the bottom goes with it. With almost, it almost never happens any other way. If it does, it's a, these sort of anomalies where it's a longtime incumbent, say a Democrat, and survives the Reagan '84 landslide because his own state loved him and cared. Right. But when you watch this uh, election, it's so strange to see Republicans at every level succeed. And Trump loses in these swing states. I, it, well, it, it, I don't have a no. No one's giving me a real explanation on how that that can be. Well, uh, you know why it can be is because you know there was there's still undisclosed, uh, you know, flaws in the election which we're trying to get to the bottom of. No, you're exactly right, Ed. And uh, the collapse of Nixon in 1975, which led to a complete wipeout in the Congress, uh, and, uh, you know, my, and when, uh, my mother, Phyllis Schlafly, tells a story is that when she went to CPAC that year, many of your listeners know about CPAC, there were only a hundred people there. And, pre- and <laughs> Ronald Reagan, the future president was the featured speaker at CPAC. And that's when he gave his, one of his all-time great speeches, and there were only 100 people in the room to hear him, along with Phyllis Schlafly. But, uh, and, the, and the Democrats swept into Congress with radical Democrats, and that's when they went through, you know, and put through many changes that we're still wrestling with to this very day. Um, so fortunately, we certainly dodged the bullet there, but it does raise the question about the legitimacy of the election. Uh, it really really does, that the Republicans could actually gain seats uh, right. all across the yeah. board and throughout the country uh, at the same time that the top of the ticket was supposedly, uh, according to the media, losing, which I still yeah. think is questionable. I just don't believe it. Yeah, I agree. All right, John Schlafly, we'll watch for the Schlafly Report uh, uh, on Tuesday. Thank you, as always, John. we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Old friend, Dr. Brett M. Decker. He's now, you know, he's a professor now. He used to be a journalist, an author, uh, once was a bureaucrat. Uh, now he's a professor at Defiance College in Ohio. So by about now, he's grading uh, final exam, maybe done, and he's got his feet up and this is slogging in the eggnog, probably having faculty think parties or something. So welcome back, uh, Dr. Decker. How are you today? I don't know about a bureaucrat as far as, you know, I was a conservative soldier working in the trenches on on Capitol Hill oh. and in the White House. <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah, well, that's true. The Capitol Hill maybe, but, back, you know, passing <laughs> sex forever. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Anyway, all right. In the swamp, not of the swamp. All right, Doctor Decker. At this point in the uh, in the trajectory of this election, and you know, guys like me are slogging away, saying "Stop the steal." Um, but is there a way that Trump could win? That you know, in the sense that the whole culture and the whole fake news and everybody has said it's over and and moved on. If somehow he dramatically won, how at this point could could the nation handle it? One, I don't see any path to winning. But I think the thing is that the nation's so divided that uh, you know when you call elections into question, like you add the stability into the culture. That I don't really know how you rebuild it, right? So we've gotten to a point where no matter what, half the country doesn't think the election's legit. So if some way judges and 
and the you know the Justice Department, everybody would do their job and 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 actually look at these fraudulent votes and everything. And and if somehow the president would sort of get reinaugurated and for a second term, half the the liberal half of the country is going to be right. We ha- we're in a new place in this country. The left introduced this new principle, um, or or brought back an old principle of revolution, you know, if we don't get what we want, we're going to burn the country down. And that's what they would right. do, right? If, if, if Trump got another term, all these, you know, people that people don't understand, a lot of people who live in what the liberals call flyover country don't know how bad the cities are if they haven't been to them. So if you go to New York or Chicago or a lot of these cities, they're still boarded up from last from from earlier in the year, and a lot of them have been burned out and haven't been fixed up yet. Like and, and important important places like you know uh, uh, like like Michigan Avenue in Chicago, you go down, it looks like a war zone. Like they've cleaned up the streets, but the stores haven't reopened a lot of them. So, like. People don't get a lot of, unless you go there and see it for yourself, because the media is not showing you any of those images, right? But our cities were destroyed almost to the level of the '60s. So that's what that's what they would do if if Trump, uh, you know, and and judges are afraid of that. Even Republican judges, you know, they always let the other side win, and our side obviously, rightly, won't burn things down if we don't get our way. But the left always plays for keeps, right? And our side really never does. So that's part of the problem playing out. Well, and but I mean, but saying it uh, uh, clearly, you know, we're bullied. If you believe the election was stolen, you're we're bullied into accepting it. That that's basically the facts of life. And and there's not a lot of bullying on uh, on the conservative side. We don't we haven't bullied anybody. I mean, we, we didn't. I mean, not a single one of those guys and gals that were uh, behind the Russia hoax got sent to jail, got their life ruined like they ruined Flynn's life or ruined uh, 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 Carter Page or Papadopoulos. These people's lives were ruined by the, the, the people and, and they're bullies. And, that, and the bullying thing is if you happen to use the Constitution to stand up in the Senate and House and say this was a broken election, then we're going to burn things down. We're going to bully you. I mean, that's what it's come to. It's, it's the bullying of the left that is weaponized by the fake news and big tech. Am I wrong? No, you're totally right. And it's, in a way, it's the chickens coming home to roost, though, in that, you know, we've had decades of of uh, basically uninterrupted Republican majorities on the Supreme Court. And always, when we're on the verge of changing, uh, restoring like conservative and constitutional principles in this country, always enough Republicans will peel off, uh, right? Republic, enough Republicans will peel off that we don't get it done, right? So, so you know, and the, the, the leftist establishment has all the Democratic Party, and a, a large segment of Republicans. So the, the amount of politic politicians are on our side. Half the country or more, you know, believes in traditional America, but their representatives in government don't. So you can never make headway, right? Uh, you know, and, and uh, to a certain degree, right, people vote for their their politicians and then they don't pay attention to what they're doing when they go to Washington. Right. That's part of the problem. 
what is the um, what do you think about the economy in the new year? I mean, the vaccines that are out now look like they're going to have some value. Um, also, there's going to be some more uh, basic herd immunity. I know people are, you know, I, I think most of the schools, it looks like they're staying locked down for a while and all. But but is the economy, what, you know, how, how do you think the economy is going? Usually December is a time where the economy drops off a little bit. People sell off a bit and the market drops some. Doesn't look like that's happened. It could still happen in the last 10 days. But where are the fundamentals? on the economy, Dr. Decker? I mean, I think the thing we have to really be worried about is right, already um, retail, restaurants, bars have been hammered because they've been under lockdown so much of this year. A lot of them have been hanging on, trying to get to the Christmas season where they're big parties, New Year's parties, they make tons of money, right? Well, uh, state governments now are locking people down for Christmas and New Year's, so a lot of those bars and restaurants and retail outlets that were hoping to get us influx of revenue from the holidays aren't getting it. So um, all the all the groups in FIB, National Federation of Independent Business, other groups that represent small business say we're looking at a bloodbath in the new year because these people that were hoping to hold on aren't getting that holiday bounce um, on spending because because their governments aren't allowing them to have people in their uh, establishments, right? So. Those bankruptcies haven't really hit yet, and I think the problem in the new year, we're going to see a lot of those small businesses fall like dominoes. And I think, one, I think it's outrageous, right? Our government has pushed a a major segment of our economy out of business, but also that's the backbone of of the Republican Party is small business, and it's been targeted, right? So why people like Walmart and Lowe's can stay open, but the local grocery store and the local hardware store can't? Right. It's a little it's a little bizarre. My brother in Chicago told me Gibson's a fancy steakhouse in downtown Chicago where all the liberal government people uh, go and and hobnob. They have people in their establishment eating. Well, no other restaurant in Chicago. It's outdoor dining only. Well, outdoors in December in Chicago doesn't really work, except for if you're part of this liberal establishment, you're fine. And huh. this double double standard is hammering hammering our side. Yeah, it is, and I think. Uh, but I, I, that's the question: is if we come out of this into this new year, you know, is um, is are we headed for a real uh, uh, a downturn. I hope we're not. I hope we left the fundamentals, uh, you know, in place, even though we're fighting through this and there was more job growth and things directionally is right. All right. Well, we've got to go, Dr. Decker. And I, I, we will not speak to you before. We might speak to you before the new year, but before Christmas, I wish you a very happy Christmas and uh, look forward to talking in the new year. You know, all I want for Christmas is a new head coach for the USC Trojans. And and maybe an oh. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, we'll try to work on that. All right. Thank you, Dr. Decker. Merry Christmas. We'll take a quick break and be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by opposing radical feminism and representing a traditional conservative perspective in our nation's capital. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. With liberals these days, it seems like everything they don't like, they call discrimination. Everything from voter ID laws to charter schools, they're discrimination in their book. They even try to use the discrimination smear to take down the traditional conservative position of free market economics. This doesn't happen by accident, by the way. 
Liberals want women, minorities, and other people groups to feel as though they're helpless victims of some terrible outside force. They want people to believe that the only ones that can save them are the benevolent overlords in Washington, D.C. Don't even bother trying to get ahead, they say. You'll never make it because the world is against you. Let's cut out all this political doublespeak and let's talk in practical terms about why a free market creates the most non-discriminatory economic system possible. Feminists complain a lot about the so-called gender pay gap, but it's nothing more than a discredited farce. Sure, when you take the wages of all men and the wages of all women together, women make less than men do. However, that's only because women are statistically more likely to want to work part-time or stay home to raise their children. They have that choice because they live in the freedom of the free market. If you think employers are in on some secret cabal to pay women and minorities less than white men, you've got to think that through again. What possible incentive could employers have for doing this? If I were an employer and I knew I could pay women 25% less than men, the first thing I would do is fill my office with women so I could pocket the rest of the money. Yet employers continue to hire white men just like they continue to hire women and minorities according to their ability to add economic value to their business. That's the power of the free market. Only government-controlled economies pick winners and losers. The free market lets winners and losers pick themselves. The best thing for all Americans is to live under an economic system that lets hard work and ingenuity win the day. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. For the U.S. economy to flourish, free enterprise needs to be rewarded. Competition and capitalism need to be encouraged. At phyllisschlafly.com, you'll find alerts and strategies for strengthening our economy and standing against socialism. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Great to be with you. All right, what you need to do, what you need to do, stopthesteel.us, stopthesteel.us has on its website a very convenient... A uh, bit of uh, a link that will get you the email addresses. I want you, I need you, we need your help to go ahead and send messages to Senator Ted Cruz, Senator Ron Johnson, Senator Rand Paul, Senator Rick Scott, Senator Josh Hawley. These folks need to step up and sign on to joining in the Congress on January 6th, the House in fighting back against the voter fraud. There can be no excuses. We don't need some stories. We need everybody to step up. We need them to do it. We need them to do it now. And uh, you can help. And I'm telling you right now, if in the next two weeks... You do your job uh, and go ahead and contact them in the ways that will make clear you know what's going on. So here's the message I want you to send to each of the senators. Dear Senator Rand Paul, thank you for all that you do to stand up for our Constitution. Please consider signing on to protest the election results in 2020 because of widespread voter irregularities. Period. We cannot allow our elections to be dominated by fraud and by the fake news or something like that. So you start out with praising, right? And so someone said sandwich. You always start with a compliment, then you go to a uh, you know a to do and a compliment again. 
and finish with saying something like, we know that the men and women who stand up now for our country, will be, we will be forever grateful. Or maybe say it better. We will be forever grateful for those men and women who stand up right now for the future of our country and fight back. Because what we've seen now is sufficient irregularities and voter fraud. And you have, and, and oh, by the way, let me stop again. In your email, take a minute to say whichever ones you want to, whichever ones you think. Say, the thing that makes me crazy is people who are registered to vote that shouldn't. The thing that makes me crazy is that there's changing the rules in midstream. Give, give Rand Paul or Senator Cruz or somebody one or more of the laundry list of things that make you nuts. Right. When when Pennsylvania changes the rules in midstream, when Wisconsin changes the rules about who can get absentee ballots for being homebound in the mid in the in the middle of the game, it's like changing the rules of baseball in the sixth inning. Right. We're going to play three outs, all six innings. I mean, all nine innings until six innings. And you say, oh, we're going to play four outs or we're going to play three strikes. You're out until the sixth inning. We're going to say it's four strikes. You're out. Right or, or whatever, pick a top, pick a pick a sport you love. Changing the football rules that we're going to play football, but first and ten, uh, ten yards for a first down. But now, when it comes to the, uh, we're going to change the rules and make it twenty yards. Whatever it is, it was changed to the advantage of the Democrats in such a way. And you need to tell, you need to give one example of that that makes you crazy. I think the ones that are the best myself are the instances of voter fraud, the instances of changing the rules in midstream, you know, obviously um, the machine voting machine irregularities. You have to wonder. It's again, I've told you before, it's hard enough to run an election if you're an election authority, if you don't have any kind if the people don't have any confidence in you. In other words, if it's hard enough to run an election, but if people don't believe the system is protected, the system falls apart and it doesn't fall apart the next time it's falling apart. Now it's falling apart in two weeks in Georgia and in nine months in Virginia and New Jersey. That's the reality. And I got to tell you, the left is loving this right now because they're seeing that the conservatives are not really willing to fight back. The conservatives are sort of in the tuck position, afraid of what's going on. And so we have to buck them up. So that's what I want you to do. I want you to, in this Christmas week, take some time. There's really six or seven senators. Rick Scott of Florida. Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, Ted Cruz of Texas, Josh Hawley of, uh, of Missouri, uh, Rand Paul of, of Kentucky. And then you can go a little further. You can go try to track down like a Senator Danes of Montana. He might be willing to do it. Um, oh, and Senator Tuberville of Alabama, Senator-elect. He'll be in office in a few weeks right before. So those are the people. Send him an email. Don't worry that you don't live in those states. Just send him an email saying, we're watching. We appreciate you. Please fight, fight, fight. It makes a bigger difference than you know. All right. So uh, and now watch and keep passing the word, because what's happening now is we're being stifled by the fake news, stifled. And we've got to find ways to communicate past them. And one of them is kind of hand to hand. You got to tell your friends, send an email to your friends that say, hey, there's a lot of voter irregularities, election irregularities. It's a a great phrase. Navarro's uh, uh, report is a great it's a great for, for us because he says six dimensions of election irregularities. So he's not saying it's all fraud. You can't prove fraud yet, but you can show election irregularities. 
Navarro's good. It's a good. It's a good report, and I, I've been plowing my way through it. And there's a lot there. There is a lot there, and uh, and you can uh, go through it yourselves. I'll put it up on social media. All right. Um, let's say thank you to our great technical director Noah for everything. And don't forget, you can go over to ProAmericaReport.com. Our schedule this week is we will have a show, except on Christmas Day, we will not have a show. Otherwise, we'll have all our shows. And go to ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up there, and you can also. Uh, get in touch with me directly, ed at edmartinlive.com, ed at edmartinlive.com. Now listen, tonight go to watch on Facebook, Ed Martin Live. It's called America on the Brink, America on the Brink. And we're going to go through all the election fraud stuff, okay? So uh, we will, I'll be ready to do that in a few hours. Uh, and I want you to step in there and go to my Twitter feed, at Eagle Ed Martin. You can find that, all the stuff I'll post up there. So uh, we, will, we will be back tomorrow. Hang in there. Keep trucking. Keep smiling. Keep being optimistic. America's great. We're making it greater every day. And we sure appreciate it. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you tomorrow. America Report on The Answer, San Diego.